Have you ever felt like you've got more in the tank and you know that there's more potential in you, especially in business? Jack came to set the standard and he ended up tripling his business within a couple of months. He has an email marketing company. Some of the tools and the tactics and the mindsets that we teach, we teach every two to three weeks in a free mindset webinar. This is an invite to you to come to that webinar. Just click the link below. It's the first link in the description and I'd love to see you guys there. Can't wait. I don't want to start a business. I'm sick of being broke. I'm going to figure this thing out. I had a passion to build a company. I was tired of working for other people. And I was like, I want to figure out how the hell I can get out of there and just build my empire. You know what I mean? First, I just want to say, thank you. Welcome to coming on to the show. Good, thanks for having me, man. Bro, I'm actually so pumped. Like myself, my team just so excited. So cool, man. I'm like, yeah, dang. Cool, man. Yeah, we're getting really, really pumped up about this. Yeah. I sort of know, like, Recently, for you, it's not like asking this question because people start something. We've talked about some crazy like marketing, but well, we can get into that a little bit more. But like, what's something recently that you've been learning that's sort of like just blowing your mind a little bit? That's a good question. Um, okay, let's get postal. Let's just let's just dive straight in. So I went to. Do you know Vin Yang? Yes. Yeah. So um, funny story. So Vin Yang. Uh, had a post on his Instagram and I like viscerally knew of him through Matt. Matt was a fanboy. So man, have you heard about Vin? Yeah, I was like, Vin is. And then uh, I followed him on Instagram because of Matt's referral. And then I realized, oh, I've been watching this dude's content. Like he's incredible. He's, he's brilliant. Um, so I followed his page and Matt was telling me about how he hung out with Vin. And a part of me was like a little bit jealous. Like, oh man, I want to hang out with people like Vin. Anyway, um, a post came up on my feed and it was like, um, I'm having an exclusive event. Um, kind of like an experimentation thing. I'm, I'm starting something new. If you're interested, click on this link and fill out this form. And it was, um, I think it was, I think I misread it because I rushed through reading it between like calls or something at work. And it, it, I thought it said um, limited to 250 people. I was like, cool. I'll sign up to it. Maybe I'll get invited and I can go see you then. And um, so I get an email and I send in an application like why I would love to go to this event. Um, and it was called recalibrate. Uh, and then I get another email back saying you've been accepted. I was like, no way. Cool. Like I'm one of the 250, right? So then I, I pay for my flights, pay for my accommodation. I fly down there and, uh, I was kind of nervous. I walked into this room and Vin is just so warm and charming. And, uh, when you meet him, it's just this, it's almost like an emotional hug. He's like, Hey man, I'm really glad you're here Dane. And like he, it felt like he knew a lot about me already because of my, maybe my application. I'm looking around and like, how are 250 people going to fit in this space? It's kind of like a cafe and couches and it's kind of intimate with some like snacks on the table. I'm like, it's just not enough catering for 250 people. <laughs> then we walk into the room and it's this giant auditorium with the, all these seats and it's kind of like this old building. And then we sat down, but on the stage, there's 10 chairs kind of in a semicircle and he goes, Dane, take a seat. What's happening? Is there going to be an audience out there? He's like, Dane, there's only 10 people going to be here. I was like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, you wanted 10. I was like, no, get out of here. So um, over two days, it was just 10 people and Vin and his friend Ali, um, who's also incredible. And uh, he handed out these books. And basically um, the premise of it was, I'm not here to talk to you. You're here to work on yourself, basically. There's no judgment. But he facilitated this meeting for a couple of days. To answer your question, what's blown my mind recently? One of the things I realized was, I'm not going to give away the exercise, but during one of the exercises, we're working on our values. 
And I was writing down stuff like, um, you know, my values are relentless, discipline, um, excellence, you know, um, fortitude. I was like, yeah, fortitude's a cool word. Like, yeah, like, and it was all these like hyper masculine words. And I was like, man, okay, there's not really much love in here, you know? And then through the exercise, we went back and he said, what do you need more of in your life, essentially? I was like, this is interesting. Then my values of what I needed more of were quite the polarity of what I was writing down. And it was presence, uh, family, um, you know, heart and joy. And I was like, man, I do need more of this in my life. So what happened was essentially what Vin was explaining to me together with Ali was values are like outfits. And Vin had this funny story where he's like, I'm not a lady, I'm not a lazy person. And Ali's like, I am a lazy person. <laughs> so he's like, I wanted to give my biggest value being lazy. And I love being lazy to Vin, which would drive Vin crazy. And then for two weeks, Vin said, I was proactively trying to be lazy because I need more laziness in my life. And he said he was delegating so much work to his team and realizing how much more productivity he had and how much happy he was by being a little bit lazy. Um, so that inspired me and uh, I decided I'm going to start trying to be more present with my team, more present with my family, my children. Uh, I'm going to try to be more proactive with creating memories and moments with my family. Um, and then trying to do things with heart instead of through discipline. So I'm doing the same stuff, but I'm finding pleasure in heart in what I'm doing versus saying, I've got to do this today because discipline. And also at the same time, I'm cutting out things that were a part of my discipline value, but aren't a part of my hard value. So I'm like, I've got this incredible team around me. I need to be delegating a lot more of this stuff and trusting them and doing things that make me, I guess, feel like I have heart in something. Um, but it's just blown my, my mind because reality just feels totally different. I've found a lot more happiness. I'm working harder, but I'm happier. Um, my memories with my family is we're creating these beautiful moments together on the weekends to be a lot more proactive with each other. So I just think like, yeah, man, like just changing how I approach reality has just been this big shift in my life the last, like probably I would say three months. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. One yeah. of my mentors mentions that like when you change your context, it does, it influences the content, but it's the content of your life. Or whatever it's true, and it's completely shifted. Yeah, like your context. Yeah, of like coming in with more heart and more love and more delegation. Yeah, yeah. We were, I was chatting about this with my team as well. Like some people are like, um, "Hey, man, you feel a little bit different in the workshops." So, like, we do these workshops with clients where I used to have this pretty epic framework and policy and methodology to get the best outcome in like a workshop with a client, like a brand strategy. It's like. Why does your brand exist? Who's the target audience? What are our values? What do we believe in? What emotion are we selling? Like all these <clears throat> um, systems and what we would find is we'd sit down with the clients and at certain points that hit a wall. And then what I've realized lately is like focusing more energy on the energy in the room. Like, are they enjoying the process? Are they having fun? Um, am I bringing heart and presence and no judgment into the meeting so they can just freely express themselves and what they're going through in their business? And then um, kind of loosely going through a workshop, knowing what I'm looking for, <clears throat> but almost in a way not having it so the client is fully aware of what I'm doing. And we're actually getting much better outcomes. They're much happier and the work is better and the team are happier to work on the projects because they're like, everything just feels different. So it's almost like, yeah, approaching my strategic workshops with clients from a very positive, energetic place versus a disciplined place has changed how I operate my whole business. 
And I'm assuming as well you would have more energy as well just within you because it's not yeah. coming from like a like a gap mentality in terms of oh gotta do gotta crush gotta have gotta have it's just like yeah okay. yeah and I think it was like what I was feeding my mind so like if you went to my Instagram it was like David Goggins like say <laughs> oh motherfucker you know like it was just like a lot of that kind of content and then when I started going through my feed and I was like maybe I should just curate what I'm consuming every day the types of books I'm reading even the music I was listening to you know like quite aggressive, like heavy metal music when I was going to the gym, um, just changing it to like, just listening to maybe something a little bit more chill. So just being aware that what I'm feeding my mind, yeah, it has an outcome. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Finn just sort of come in there and like punch you straight in the heart. <laughs> yeah. And I think like one of the biggest moments, <clears throat> like just to get personal was like, there was this woman there and um, she was sharing her pain of her husband working a, like a lot and not being present with her and the kids. And how much weight that put on her. And I always saw my my partner in, in that situation. And Vin and I were crying together about her story. We're like, she's like, why are you crying? We're like, because we are realizing how we need to be more present with our kids and with our wife. And, and, we, were, and uh, we were just so rattled by just hearing other people share their heart. And it's like when you're in a room and you're exchanging energy with people, you're like, man, I wonder if my partner feels that way. I need to work on that. And I think like... Um, yeah, there's, there's a humility that comes with doing deep work on yourself. And me and the team yesterday were talking about like um, what, we, what we, you would call shadow questions. Um, what was the name of the guy who developed the, the psych behind that? This, yeah, dude, this is really interesting. So. Did you ask him also speaking to the mic? Oh, cool. Can you just put number four up and then you can speak to that if you want? I might, yeah, I might use this guy throughout. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> you guys can fact check for me. But yeah, there's, um, there's this thing called um, shadow questions. And our friend Dave was telling us how he was spending time with Chris Doe. And Chris Doe um, basically was in this sparring session with a closed group of entrepreneurs, like high level people, like people that like own Chuck E. Cheese. Like he's in this really cool exclusive like MMA sparring sort of no 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 like kind of verbal sparring oh verbal sparring so like as entrepreneurs um, you know they were they were kind of doing this um, session where Chris was trying to be vulnerable and allowing his limiting beliefs to come up in the session and having these other entrepreneurs that kind of creative creatively like are on the same level as him able to kind of poke and prod Chris to see what weaknesses he had and if he was willing to work on them but um, like, for example, I'll give you an example of a shadow question. So if you said to me, Dane, I have a bad memory. And then I said to you, when did you decide that? Right. It's a confronting question where you're, your brain is probably like, what kind of question is that? Yeah. But then if you actually lean into it and try to answer it, your mind might go back to a memory of something that happens. Right. If you actually sit there with that question, you go, when was the first time I decided I had a bad memory? So I, I did this, right? So someone in it that practices NLP asked me this question and I went back to a, um, when I was five years old and um, a teacher was getting frustrated with me and said that to me. Like, this is actually a memory, right? So like they hit me with this question and it's kind of like the last thing you want to do is you, you kind of want to go on a flight or flight, like leave me alone, what are you talking about, limiting beliefs? But if you dive into that question, um, yeah, this is something that me and my partner try to help each other with a lot is, if we see each other's limiting beliefs, <clears throat> we might pick out battles, you know what I mean? Um, but, uh, you know, if something's recurring, like it's a pattern, she'll interrupt me and be like, she'll take me with a shadow question. 
I'm going to go sit with that for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's like, this isn't things people commonly talk about, but I believe it's why I have such a good relationship and why we have such a great team and a great culture is because we, we really try to have, I guess, yeah, a lot of difficult conversations in yeah. our lives, but for a healthy, for a healthy purpose. Yeah. And there's one reason to do it personally and professionally. And notice that when you do the both, it's like they link up together yeah. and they really sort of accent each other in a really positive way. And it's like really interesting because like we teach leadership workshops and recently did like a, a tour around Australia. Yeah. And one of the things that we found in workshops, and we didn't make this up, we didn't like plan them or anything, was every single time we just instructed like people that are instructing their team or trying to get something out of the partner or we'd like run these role play scenarios or they were wanted to connect with the brother, family member, whatever it was. We noticed that they had to connect first so the energy in the room and everyone would be like, that was it. Like yeah. everyone in the whole room was like, wow. you've just nailed it now because you connected first instead of trying to talk X, Y, Z, which comes down to what you're saying before with the, just like that, the pure presence thing. Yeah. Like, like blew my brain because we didn't even mean it. We wrote intimacy and connection on the board. Yeah. And I was like, uh, then like it just kept coming up in yeah. every workshop. We're like, what? Because it's a cool buzzword. Yeah. And you're like, you know, like, um, and this, this is a funny one. We call this the vanilla values. So whenever we talk to a business owner, and I say this in the spooch people, I'm like, let me guess you healthy values. And like, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, we're all about security and honesty and we care about our customers because we want to empower them and we want to do it with integrity um, and we want to do innovative technology in our business in order to, you know, have the XYZ uh, in the marketplace. And people are like, yeah, that's pretty much my values. And we're like, cool. Well, like they're core to the human you know, experience, like we want to be integral, we want to be caring, we want to help empower people. Like these are all things that are great. But it's like, what do these words actually mean? If you actually sit down, like what actually is empowerment? What actually is innovation? Like this is where I guess we're so busy, we don't sit down and go, what actually is intimacy? And when I was doing this exercise with Vin, I had to sit down and be like, what actually is, what is presence? What does that really mean? And you can't just say, I'm going to be present. It's like, no, I need to exercise this. I need to understand how do I do this because I'm not doing it in my life. Maybe it's not a part of my natural um, behavior set right now. Um, you know, so I found myself interrupting people and I was like, cool, maybe I'll just stop interrupting and I'll, I'll just listen. You know, but like act, actually practicing presence, it's not easy. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so when you're talking about the intimacy thing, I, I agree. It's, it's um, you know, you'll see couples in this logical debate, but as they just kind of put the logic down on the table and just go, let's just connect. And then let's come back to this. It's a different, it's a different conversation. It is a different conversation yeah. every single time. And yeah. like, yeah, as you notice, you can, you can see it so easily. That's, it's interesting for me, like just noticing how your brain works, how you're like picking up, we're talking about things. You're like, Oh, there's these specific values here. Mm-hmm. And then they also like lead into marketing and branding mm-hmm. for a business because well, obviously you're the king at that. Like you guys and your team are like the best at it. So it's like, it's, it's, it's really interesting to see then how like people can have their own values and then their companies mm. have their own values yeah. and then how it bleeds through absolutely everything. Yeah. Yeah. Richard Branson has this, one of my favorite quotes and he says, what is a company? <laughs> what, is, what really is it? It's a group of people and that's about it. And um, I don't know who said this. We, we picked up this other one somewhere else. It's um, people will either go home from their job and they'll complain about you, or they'll 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 share incredible stories about their day. So they'll either go home and be like, "Man, 
rah, you know, my workplace yeah. or go home and share really good stuff. There's kind of no in between. And, um, you know, so we were focusing on this a lot of rival, right? So we have a company value um, for our company culture. So how do we define our culture at rival, right? Um, you know, be integral, be honest, all that stuff, right? That's kind of expected. Like be a good human being. Um, but what's our culture? And like, what is culture? And it's, you know, when you walk in a room, you're like, there's a vibe here. There's, there's, there's a cluster of people and there's something happening. Like if you go to a CrossFit Games, there's a culture there. Like that. There's a vibe there. It's electric. It's electric, <laughs> right? It's like, ah. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, rival, the word we use is be a maverick. And then we define it with that then because what we noticed is creative type people, they don't nap, like real raw creative people naturally kind of don't like to be put in a system. Mm. They like to explore. They like freedom. They like liberty. They like, um, they like kind of taking their own path and things. So how do you create a company that's efficient, productive, and killing it at their work, but at the same time having a sense of freedom? So when we look to bring people into Rival, we actually screen them around how comfortable they are making their own decisions, mm-hmm. right? So, um, for example, we, we try to poke a product and see if they are kind of a rebellious nature person because a rebellious person will naturally like to find their own way to how to solve a problem. The other thing we look for is creativity, like actual creativity. And the way we vet that is, what do you do outside of work? Which is a generic question. But we, we try to find, like, what's the creative outlet for you outside of work? So we, you know, have this girl on our team. Her name's Em. Um, she runs a Korean K-pop dance group. And she dances every night out in public, films it with her crew, and, like, it's, like, her livelihood. And she has this um, incredible, like, creative outlet that she has. And then the first day at work, like, it showed up. We saw the creativity because she's naturally in the flow state of what creativity really is. But we see a lot of kids come in and we interview them and they don't have any creative outlets. And we're like, how do you have a design degree? Are you actually naturally a creative type person? So we look for the rebellious nature people, the creative people, and the people that love to be thrown into a problem, like enjoy it. You know, the weird ones that are like, throw a problem at me, I'll get the chair now. It's like, a, it's like a, a fix to them. It's like a dopamine hit. Um, so what we found is when we recruit people like that, they gel with each other really well because they share values and they see the world the same way and they really get along well. And we've thrown people in the mix that don't align with those values, that don't like problem solving, they don't like creativity and being rebellious. It's kind of counterintuitive to them. It's not a bad thing. It's just they're not a fit. And what happens is when they jump into culture, they feel like an outcast. Mm. So we've had to curate it and be like, before you come in here, this is our culture and we try to figure out if that person's a good fit. And I think so many times in companies, you have too many people that conflict in culture. So it's hard to get the energy, especially in a small business still starting up. Now, I think it's cool actually just being able to describe the vibe. Yeah. Like if like, this is like the culture, this is the vibe that I'm feeling. This is how I can do, like describe it. Here's how someone actually matches in with it. Yeah. It's sort of interesting. Um, I was thinking like for you, some of your knowledge from recently is like, what, are, what do you think has in branding and like marketing? change over the last few years things that you're like oh we usually do this and now we don't anymore we completely change around or is it just like the foundations have just been so stable for so no it's definitely changed like as as society as generations change and value different things like branding is like kind of changed quite a lot so like if you go back to the 1940s branding wasn't really a thing like it wasn't really a terminology 
Like it's a hot topic right now. Like, what's your personal brand? Like, it's just yeah, everyone's talking about it everywhere. Yeah, you know, Tony Robbins is talking about it. Matthew McConaughey is talking about it. You know, uh, what's his project? The Living Program. It's like discovering yourself. Um, But yeah, you'll notice that like Brandon Bouchard, a lot of people are talking about like personal branding. It seems to be like that's the and I think that's you know because we're living in the digital world now, and everyone's like, what's my digital, you know, thing. Um, so everyone's in our office suit of like bed thing and, and energy oh, yeah. and the rest of it. But if you go back to the forties, it was called, I guess, advertising, right? So it, I guess if you look at the conversation, like what's advertising, marketing and branding, they're actually, or if you add sales, they're four very different conversations. Sales is its own thing. Marketing is its own thing. Advertising is its own thing. Branding is its own thing. So if you, I think it's, um, uh, it started with, I think it was like, pottery like people that made like clay vases and stuff there was a guy in the 1700s that put this was like the first ever trademark he put a stamp on the bottom of his like faces because he wanted to signal to the community i made this it's on xyz quality so that's kind of where branding kind of started um you could debate that it started earlier than that it certainly has just naturally in culture it's a part of the human makeup to want to express I belong to this value system and then then we communicate that. So you can even look at how like, you know, Native American tribes would like identify with a different set of outfits or different colors or different feathers and things like that. Like people would always be like, I'm in this tribe, I'm going to communicate what tribe I'm in. So I think that's a core part of the human makeup. But if you look at marketing and how, where it showed up, as you went through the 40s, 50s and 60s, advertising was like quite a different space because you had to be really clever. Like if you go back and you type in 1950s or 1960s ads and ad campaigns, the stuff Porsche was saying, the stuff that car companies were doing, like even Nike, um, you know, the Just Do It campaign? Do you know where that comes from? No. I, I'm, I'm not also impressed that you actually went back and researched. Yeah, dude, I'm like, like, I'm in Yeah, I got So quick say we're in a Nike then, like new history lesson. Um, so Nike, um, the, the ad, you know, the ad campaign, Just Do It. Yeah. It was a campaign that they ran, and at that time in the papers, there was um, someone who was literally death sentence, and it was the last thing that they said, <laughs> was just do it. <laughs> so it was really edgy. So they took this extremely polarizing, edgy piece of content that was kind of a part of culture, injected into their marketing. People loved it, but it resonated differently because it started to take on a new meaning. You hear it now, you don't think about a dude in a lecture chair, you think about it. <laughs> It's incredible athletic brand. Yeah, literally. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, as as you went through the 40s, 50s, and 60s, advertising was a way to communicate effectively with the buyer. So how do you know how they call it brand activation? Activation is like, hey, we're here we exist, this is what we believe in and why we're great. And this is our story, and it's how do I get you, the viewer, to connect emotionally, not just like logically, like that makes sense, I'll buy that, but how do I get you to actually emotionally connect to my offering? How do I get you to buy in and be like, oh, I want to communicate I'm in that tribe, right? Like no, no one buys a Rolex to tell time, right? It's a flex. It's like, I'm in this tribe. I'm just, I don't have one, by the way. I love asking people when they when they get a Rolex, why they bought a Rolex. I'll never tell them that's true. Right? So I ask entrepreneurs all the time, like, oh, why'd you buy a Rolex? Oh, it's a good investment. Oh, I just wanted to capture a memory. I'm like, really, bro? Like, you're, yeah, you're trying to communicate. I'm in this tribe. I made it. I did it. Yeah. I did it, right? I got a Rolex, baby. I got a Rolex, baby. Um, and yeah, so, so throughout history, 
advertising kind of morphed and split into two. So it was originally just advertising. That's, that was the terminology. And it was around the 60s when people started to, maybe like the mid 50s, where people started to really dive into the psychology of like advertising, like psychopathic levels of stuff. Like, so like Nestle um, had a campaign where they tried to launch their coffee in Japan and being a tea loving nation, they, they just didn't care about it. Right. <laughs> they rejected coffee. They're like, keep your coffee. We're just going to continue drinking tea. But then Nestle did all the psychological research about how like um, children adopt things when they're young and then, like the brands you choose later in life is a lot to do with your childhood and your memories in childhood. So Nestle launched children coffee, coffee flavored. It didn't have caffeine in it, but coffee flavored lollies attached to cartoons. And like, we're getting children to adopt the flavor of coffee and candy. So then 14 years later, when the coffee hits the market, it's on their palate and their mind. Right, so if you go back to the 50s, advertising or manipulation, <laughs> right? So this is where you get the art of manipulation, um, you know, the dark arts, man. But like, yeah, in the 50s, people were starting to figure out simple little messaging, um, sex sales. Like it, it, it kind of, branding kind of morphed out of that. People were realizing, oh, the psychological human experience can be manipulated for people to buy product. So advertising became the avenue which you grab someone's attention. Like if I put an ad in the paper or an ad on a billboard, like it's like me placing a brand activation somewhere. But what is the message in that, that psychological, emotional experience? That's branding. So branding isn't what you tell me you are. Branding is my my opinion of you, my experience of you. What's my perception of you? How, how do I feel about Nike? How do I feel about Apple? How do I feel about Harley Davidson? Right. Um, and this is where branding is more about like, for example, Harley Davidson, they don't sell motorcycles. They sell liberty and freedom and the ability to go away on the weekend and be alone. They sell the emotional package. That's the branding experience. Marketing is the system that makes sure that you find it and buy it. The sales is the conversion piece and the advertising is the attention piece. So like marketing, advertising, sales, and branding, you need all of them to succeed in business at scale, but you can get a hell of a long way just on sales. You can just be an incredible sales guy or gal and make a lot of money. But at some point, if you're trying to scale beyond you and grow a team around you and have them have success as well, and maybe they're not as good to craft as you are, if you can build a brand and a reputation in the marketplace and get a perception in people's minds and they're like, oh, that agency is really good or that team's really good, uh, or that person, Gary's really good. I guarantee his agency, VaynerMedia, is great. Let me reach out to VaynerMedia. I'm sure they can help me. That's branding when you don't need to depend on sales anymore and you can kind of permeate culture. So for me, the difference in the last maybe 20 years of branding, branding has really started to become very culture-driven. Like I belong to this tribe. I identify as this kind of person. Uh, I'm a CrossFit person. So I'm going to wear Rogue Fitness yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's a communication of this is who I am. This is where I belong. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. I love how like, he articulated that. It's like some of that was like, oh, wait, sorry. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. That's what like, I resonate with you because like, I'm a nerd as well. I'm mm-hmm. nerd out and stuff and just get like obsessed with things, read about it and just like go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. That's some of the best things ever. That's like quite one thing that I related with you when you're talking at the One Life event. I was like, oh my gosh. No. Loves, loves, to study. <laughs> yeah, loves to study and like learn things. Yeah. That's really cool. Thanks. I'd like to know to you, like, what were some of your biggest struggles 
for you in regards to learning all of this and bringing it to life? Yeah, good question. Um, I think like my, like almost like my, like as cliche as this is my belief in myself, right? So um, I remember, cause my background, I worked in, um, when I was young, when I was 19, I was a graphic designer and I worked in a little t-shirt store in the Sunshine Plaza on the Sunshine Coast called T-Bates. If anyone around here has been there. <laughs> I worked in those things. Yeah. So I used to design the t-shirts and place them in the store. Um, and I was really good at graphic design. Um, and then I kind of just pursued money. I was like, oh, I'm going to go become, like, there's no money in design, so I'm going to go become a sales guy. You know, I started listening to all the podcasts and all the books and, you know, listening to all the content. I'm like, yeah, you know, Jack and Bones, Coke Holy, Coke Knocking. Like, I went in deep, man. I went full deep into it. Yeah, yeah, dude. Respect. Respect the fact that Knocking. Good color. I, I was one of the psychopaths that enjoyed it. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. Jacked up before like heavy metal on the force. Yeah. <laughs> like range against the machine. Doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I've been a car salesman. So I've done all the cream sales stuff. I've been a car salesman, telecom, um, door knocking, cold calling. I've done all of the cringy stuff. Yeah. But I enjoyed it. I, I liked being told no. I was like, oh challenge. I wonder if I can get a net a yes on the next one. Whereas, you know, the guys around me would just get crushed if they got told no. I'm like, it's cool. Like, it's just a game of numbers and skill. And um, one mentor I had in business, and this is kind of stuff would be through all my experiences. Um, and then I'll get back to answering your question around, like, the biggest challenges. Um, he's like, you know, if you're a salesman and you get one out of 10 uh, people you speak to sell, he's like, cool. Can you repeat that number? Every one out of 10, every one out of 10, every one out of 10. Then can you push it to two? then the three, then the four, right? And I did that with my agency. So, like, a lot of my, I guess, struggles back in my sales era have fed through to the success of my business. Um, but in business, I would say the biggest struggle I had was just, like, when I started, my belief in myself, right? Because I had 200 grand debt. Um, I had my partner. Um, you know, I was trying to get a second job because I was struggling. Like, I remember calculating my money at the end of the, the week and going, I don't know if I can afford enough groceries this week. And I just felt like a failure as a man. Like, a part of me, I was to provide to my partner. I'm like, man, I'm, all, I'm in all this debt. I just felt like a bit of a loser. I'm like, you know, even having conversations, hormonesy style, where it's like, like, you don't have to be with me. I'm kind of like not doing so great. You know what I mean? And she always was like, I got your back. Like, we're in this together, right? And it melted your heart. Yeah, always melted my heart. And, you know, hearing Alex Hormozzi's story, it's like, oh, man. Uh, it hits you. Yeah, it hits me. Because <laughs> it, it was like, um, it's a moment where you, I had that experience. I just felt like a failure and a loser. And I remember, um, I'll share this story in a different way because I've shared it a bunch of other ways before. But, um, you know, we're getting personal, man. We're friends now, dude, right? <laughs> so I was, I was at um, the Success Resources event uh, in 2018. And basically, it's 5,000 people in a room with back-to-back speakers. And um, I actually went there because I was like, I don't want to start a business. I'm sick of being broke. I'm going to figure this thing out. I had a passion to build a company. I was tired of working for other people. And I was like, I want to figure out how the hell I can get out of there and just build my empire. You know what I mean? Like, just point freedom, you know, like that yoga style. <laughs> so I was sitting there in the crowd and back-to-back speakers getting up, selling their boot camps. And I remember Grant Cardone, because being a sales guy... And I love Grant Cardone, right? He gets up on stage. He's literally throwing money in the audience. And Australians, if you don't know an Australian, they hate 
showboating and bragging. It was just energy, but I was loving it. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I want to, you know, I felt like I was the only person in the room fired up about what he saw. <laughs> Maybe like eight other sales guys were like, yeah. and then everyone else just had their arms crossed and weren't loving it. And I remember, um, you know, he was saying, I got this boot camp, so my first boot camp ever in Australia. And I was like, yes, my hero, I'm, I'm going to get to go to his boot camp. And I remember without even um, thinking about it, he's like, if you want to sign up to my boot camp, go to that side of the room, sign up, and I'll see you there. And I was like, yes. And I literally ran to the side <laughs> of the room, like, yes. like in front of 5,000 people, right? I'm like, you know, I'm going to sign up. And I'm looking around, I'm like, no one else is signing up. This is kind of awkward. And then I went to the girl and I was like, hi, like, uh, do, do you pay me plans? You know, I'm broke as shit. Like, I got, like, maybe 17 bucks in my bank account at that, that point, right? And um, she's like, yeah, we do payment plans. It's $1,500 uh, fortnight for, like, like eight, eight hours for, like, three and a half months or something like that. And I was like, I didn't even make that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, how am I going to pay that? And I remember in that moment, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I got so emotional because, you know, when you're so hyped up and then, like, something stops you in your tracks, right? So I'm fired up. I'm like, yes. Like, um. I'm so electrified that I'm going to do this and I'm going to change my life. And then it's like, boom, you just got shut down again. You can't afford to go to this boot camp. You're a loser. You can't provide for your partner. It's like, oh, yeah, right. And um, I didn't find this out till later, but Ellie, she was next to me. She was like pumped for me to do this boot camp. And then I looked at her and I think my face had this expression on it that like quite was quite depressing. Was it ghastly? <laughs> yeah, it was ghastly. <laughs> she, she got rattled by it. She's like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'm like, cool. And I remember sitting down. I was literally finding tears. Like, I'm sitting next to my friends and I'm like, man, I feel like now I feel like even more of a loser because I'm, I'm trying not to cry because I can't afford this boot camp from Grand Cardone. I just felt like a real piece of shit. And um, I had my arms crossed. I was like, man, maybe I might just go home. I might just leave. I'm, I don't want to be here. Like, my energy was just really rough. And people around me are like, you okay, man? I'm, yeah, I'm fine. It's cool. You know, like, uh, I just can't wait for Gary, you know? Um, and then uh, I didn't find out until later that Ellie went to the bathroom and cried for an hour. Yeah, because I was wondering where she went. She was crying because she felt like she was failing me. She felt like, because we combined at it, she's like, oh, she felt like she was holding me back. So we both kind of felt like shit. Anyways, Gary comes out after like seven and a half hours of this stuff, runs out on stage. And it was like the perfect moment because I just felt like you can't get any worse than this. I'm like, why am I even here? I spent $200 and all day getting here and it's just a waste of time. Now I don't have money for groceries. Like literally don't have money for groceries because I'm here. So it just felt like crap. Gary runs out. The first thing he says is, I'm not here to sell you shit. He's like, what up, Brisbane? I'm not here to sell you shit. Everyone loses their minds because they've been sold to all day. Um, and all he had behind him was one how to Gary. <laughs> and he did Q&A for two hours. Um, but basically in the Q and A, I was just hearing all these people asking these questions and you know, we're talking before about limiting beliefs. I just was like witnessing hundreds of people asking these very simple questions. And I noticed the pattern was like, everyone just has a limiting belief. They don't believe in themselves. That that's what I saw, right? Studying NLP and normal psychology. I was like, hang on a second. I'm that fucking guy. I'm the guy with the giant limiting belief. I don't need a boot camp. Like I made this decision in that moment. like, I can just fucking start my business tonight. I'm a sales guy. I know design. I know marketing. I know advertising. So on the drive home, I'm like flooring it. And my business is like, why are you speaking? I can't wait to get home and start my business. <laughs> what are you talking about? And I just told her, I was like, I'm going to start an agency. And it's going to be massive. And I'm going to love doing it. And she's like, cool, man. Like, I'm going to support you. And I was like, I need to use that last like 17 bucks we have to like buy uh, a subscription to Photoshop. And 
Um, yeah, that night I downloaded Photoshop and I started DMing people on Facebook and Instagram, like, hey, um, do you need a business card? Like I knew a lot of PTs and like people that ran companies. I'm like, do you need business cards? Do you need posters? Do you need a logo? Um, and I was sending, sending out literally hundreds of messages like this first night. I woke up the next day and I had like 14 leads and it was like $25, $50 leads. And I was like, I'm doing it. I'm building my business, you know? So within the period of 24 hours, that was the biggest challenging moment was like when I sat there in the audience and felt like I had no hope. That was the, the the moment where I felt the shit is, was when I just the little push I needed to realize I'm the problem. The reason I'm here feeling sorry for myself and feeling like a lot of life losers because I decided to. I didn't have to feel that way. I chose to feel that way. And when I chose to take my power back and go, you know what, like, I'm in this position because of me, I can get out of it because of me, right? So I just made that made that commitment and I didn't think about the idea of like, wouldn't it be nice? It was more like, I'll run through a fucking wall to make this happen. That was my attitude from that day and it hasn't been a day since where I doubted it. Yeah. I just committed that day and married the idea. Yes. <laughs> you were going to have the breakdown to get to the breakthrough. And it's so interesting. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you're like, Whoa. Down. Yeah. Oh, through. Like, yeah, also how you walk bottom. It's like a rubber band. It was about snapping and let go and bang. You know. Um, and I was doing eight. It got ridiculous. I was, I was working like 18 hour days. So then we just get after it. You know, because my eyes were relentless. <laughs> it got me through that season. And then I realized, okay, I got to come back and, and have a bit more presence and be more connected to my family. That's insane. What an insane story. I'm so happy that you like reflected on that and can describe it in a way because it's like really powerful, especially for yourself. Like, yeah. I'm sure like when any things get difficult, you like you think back to that and be like, Really have to do you? Yeah. Yeah. Just send a hundred DMs. I was like, if I can get one out of ten, that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I remember the first fifty dollars that hit my bank was like, uh, yeah, it was like an heroin shop, and I was like, whoa, I just paid my own money. I'm like, what's possible now? You know, so it just became like, like um, validation. You know, and I tried not to have external validation, but that was a moment where like a little bit of external validation. Just without me a little bit, and was like, man, you can do this. Yeah, it's like such a good, beautiful moment. What about in terms of scaling your business? Okay, because things get a little bit more different, especially when you've got like a relationship and there's like children in there as well. And then there's like you know, the myriad team. And as you know, it's like the more people that you work with, the deeper you have to go because like self awareness, because that reflects back into the team and everything else. Yeah. Yeah, cool, man. So we're going deep. Um, so yeah, hiring my first person was. Terrifying. <laughs> and I remember talking to my coach and, and saying, like, dude, I'm working 18 hour days. And he's like, how much money are you make? And I was like, I was like, I'll make a good money, girl. Like, I was making my annual wage in a month. Like, double, double what my annual wage in my previous job was in a month. Right. And I was stacking it up and I was like, yeah, I bought a car and I got a lot of things. So, like, dude, why are you hiring people? And I was terrified to be responsible for someone else's life. You know, I didn't get a lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah. A lot of pressure. Like, just a year ago, I couldn't even, you know, pay for like my groceries. And now I'm responsible for something else. So, I had, to, I had to go through this transition of like, I don't need to do more. I need to become someone else. I need to work on like, what kind of guy do I need to be to be comfortable hiring someone else? And then I just decided, well, I'm just going to do it, figure it out, through it, right? So I hired someone and it was the most uncomfortable never experience <laughs> because you got to figure out a paperwork and everything. You're like, oh my God, like it's like, it's like a nothing a child for me. Like, I was like, 
I'm responsible. I don't have to pay um, them. Yeah, and it's not so much pressure to like provide for someone else. And then I realized like, oh, this is like really cool because like I explained to them like this is a startup. There's a lot of risk. They took a pay cut to come on board. Um, and they were just excited. They were just pumped to be on the journey. And then we kept, every time I hired someone, we made more money because we're just more productive, more efficient, getting more done, more ideas on the table. We're increasing our prices. Um, now we're at 22 people, right? And it's, it's like, um, like yesterday and my team are like, we're hiring this person. I'm like, cool. Like such a different experience to two years ago, right? Like, and two years ago, I was like, oh my God. And then yesterday I was like, oh, you guys are, okay, you hired, okay, sweet. Like crush your team, you know? So it, you just start to realize that like everything's kind of, Everything is, everything is not like meaningless, but everything is kind of like small in the scale of things. It's just our emotion that makes things have weight. Yeah. Um, so when I when I went through that moment, that was scary. The other scary moment in my business was um, that I had this guy that worked for me, a friend of mine, like a, a good friend that took me in uh, when me and Ellie were through our time. Incredible person. I have a lot of love for them still. And they came into my business early on when we were about maybe six people. And um, one of the hardest working, most disciplined, relentless, like ball busting badasses that have ever worked for me. Like, honestly, just workload was insane. Um, however, um, we were constantly clashing horns to a point where I didn't want to wake up in the morning. Ooh. Like, I remember just waking up and being like, I don't want to get on Zoom. I don't want to deal with this. And um, that same week was when uh, my daughter Harlow was born. So she's turning three uh, next month. And um, so my first my first child, I got two children. Joey's six months old. I got a boy and a girl. And we're close to business. Uh, <laughs> but I, I remember... I was going through this experience. I'm like, man, like I can't stand being in this predicament. I felt sick and I felt like I couldn't run the company the way I wanted to run it. Like every time I made a decision or had an idea, it was like, that doesn't work for this reason. That doesn't work for that reason. It's not for, you know, so I was like, man, like this is my company. You know what I mean? Like I, I had to grow through that too. And um, this person had a little bit of equity in the business as well. So then um, essentially um, I had them out went our separate ways. But when my daughter was born, I remember holding her in my arms and just realizing similar thing, like I'm responsible for this person. Like a life took on a new meaning. And in that moment, I was like, <laughs> you know, I, I got to make some changes in my life. I, I got to protect her. It was like almost like final flight. Like I am, I am like this warrior and she's my princess and I got to like make sure that like she, she's protected. So the next week when it came back to work, I was like, we have to go our separate ways. And it was, it was the hardest thing I've ever done, right? Because it's a friend, it's a brother, it's someone I love. Um, but it was the best thing because after that, the business slingshot. Because no, it was almost like I was running my business at that point in gut and intuition, not all logic. Like I remember my accountant saying, dude, you should park this money. Instead of going hiring another three people, you should go buy a house, you should invest, you should diversify. And I was like, no, I'm going to go hire three people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So like, it's so funny. Like, uh, I just, I had, it's weird. The hardest thing was just trusting my gut. You know what I mean? Like it was like, my gut was screaming at me and I had to listen to it. And that was one of the most terrifying things in my life was just learning to kind of trust my gut and what, what it felt like I should be doing. Yeah. Especially in the point when like you love someone so much because yeah. you spend every single day. Like I, I always say like, like to my, to my guys, I'm like, 
you guys are literally more important to me like, than my entire family. Like, straight up. And I would die for you guys, like, straight up. So, like, our dynamic for how we work is, like, really beautiful of how we look after each other. So, yeah. like, 100% food. I haven't, like, had to let, like, anyone go or anything. So, like, you know, just thinking about it, I'm like, it's tough, man. Like, That's a good thing, though, dude. Yeah. It's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it sucks when you have to fire someone. Um, but the weird thing is, like, every time it's happened, it's, it's, it's always pointed our culture back to where it needed to be. Uh, now we don't have really any turnover, not what's the That's great. Yeah, you know, we're in a really good culture and, you know, we're not perfect. We're always trying to improve things, but I think, um, yeah, that, those are probably the biggest moments, man. Yeah. Those few moments, yeah. Crazy. Yes. And one thing, my audience will kill me if I don't ask you some branding and marketing tips. So, like, most of my audience are either, I would say, in the middle of their business journey. Yeah. So they're probably operating around the 20 to 60K a month. Cool. Area, or they just quit their job. Yeah. And they're like, let's go. Like, yeah. That's the two different energies. Yeah, like me and the start of me, like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So in terms of, like, marketing with their brands, mm-hmm. we have a lot of, we get a lot of people who are doing, like, an e-com or Amazon. We have people that are PTs. And we have a lot of people who have charity businesses. Yeah. Like they're like Econ PTs, trainees. Econ PTs, trainees. Yeah. yeah. Main ones. Some marketers, but mainly those. And they're just like, they want to get out there, crush yeah. it. Now some of their brand. Yeah. Yeah, man. I guess like for Econ, um, some of the things I've never seen with that is, is for sure like the Econ brands that we're working with, it's being very conscious about how like, um, how you position your branding. Because I think, you know, we're on an international stage with e-com. Like we're competing with people all around the world. And, you know, like just the basics, right? What's your AOV? What's your conversion rate? Like what's what's an AOV? AOV, AOV is like an average order value. So like, for example, on uh, an e-commerce store, if if you click through the Shopify links, you can see the AOV. Essentially, it's like on average over all your purchases, what's the average? So if it's, I think if it's less than $86, like it's, you're probably not in a prime position to be doing advertising because you don't have the capital to spend a good amount of money in ads. So I think from my experience, what we've learned with e-com is like, how do we really have incredible online store experience? Because if you think about it, that's the sales engine room for your company. Yeah. And I see stores every day for people are making two, three, four, five million at, at Pratt and they'd be doing it for a couple of years. And their stores are the templates that are downloaded with Photovis. And I'm like, dude, damn, like, you're making four million a year on this site. They're awesome. And they're like, yeah, my conversion rate is 6%. I'm like, cool, but it could be 10. (laughs) So I think, like, um, when it comes to branding, like, imagine you go into a retail store. You know those retail stores where, like, everything's, like, crammed. It's kind of, you know, it's like going to Big W. But then you go into another store and you're like, wow, like, those experiences where you want to spend money. Like, this is so cool. I want to spend money. So for me, we spent a lot of time in like, you know, how do we use design to get people emotional? Mm-hmm. So if I land on your online store, is it just logic? Like here's the features and benefits and why the product's great and you should buy it and here's a photo of it. Or are you really putting on some theater? You know, I know this from Simon Beard at Culture Kings is like so many businesses don't execute on theater. Whoa. So how do you like evoke emotion? Like, so yeah. Well, you know, if you look at Culture King, so what Simon Beer has done, and for those that know, don't know his story, he went from working at the markets to, you know, a $600 million um, rent in the period of like 11 years. 
you know, and going international and launching a store in the biggest um, space in the Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. Pioneer. Yeah, Pioneer. He's a pioneer. He's a pioneer. But what I learned from spending time with him, because I've had the pleasure of working on um, the update of, of the logo and the update of the Coach Keen's brand, was that he's all about theatre, right? And I met his sister um, and she works at Citibank. We're having this funny conversation about like, She's like, yeah, he's kind of like a carny. Like, he really enjoys putting on a show for people and getting them fired up. And he was telling me this story about, like, when he was at the markets and he, he realized that um, people wanted to buy, um, you know, American power because you couldn't really buy cool American shoes and gear in Australia. So he had this little market store where he was selling cameras and then, like, Dickie's pants and, like, <laughs> shoes and stuff, right? And he said that the reason he was able to move so much product at the at the, the markets wasn't because he was sitting down. You know, when you go to the market, someone's sitting down, they're like, hi, how are you today? He's like, what's up, man? He's like, what up, man? He was dude, do you like wearing dick? Like he was <laughs> and he said this high warmth, high confidence, right? So he was like, how do I make you feel like I care about you? And how do I give you some confidence by an energy exchange? And he said he was putting on a show every week with his, with his partner, Tiny at, at the markets. Then he realized that, you know, he wanted to do that in retail. So when he went into retail, everything he did was about culture. Like if you think about b-boy, basketball, culture, it's braggadocious, it's loud, it's hedonist, it's thrill-seeking. So he realized the culture of his audience were all about that lifestyle. And he's like, how do I communicate that I am that to them? So rather than just being like a store that sells a product that they want, how how do I put on theater that is exciting to them? How do we act rebellious? How do we break the rules? How do we put a DJ booth into our store and then escalate it? You have to come down into it. It's under the ground. Like the whole thing is an experience. Everything's lit up. You feel like you're in this weird nightclub that sells <laughs> um, But back to the e-com, what he was saying with e-com is like, you have to, you have to kind of have a brand that symbolizes something. So if you look at Gymshark, it symbolizes like the epitome of working out in a gym and flexing on that. If you look at Culture Kings, it's about thrill seeking and like having game and, you know, um, having that symbol of street cred, you know what I mean? So how do you make your e-commerce store like kind of a beacon or a cultural symbol for your audience? But where people get stuck on this is they want to sell everything to everyone. And I think the biggest challenge that people have is they don't lean into differentiation because they're so scared that they're going to turn off their audience. But you'll actually turn on a small audience and have them come back and buy more product by being more engaged in that. Um, For PTs, I would say like personal branding is... Enormous. I meet a lot of PTs that try to create a program or a business or a new camp. But I would say, like, from my experience and the PTs I'm seeing in the world that are absolutely killing it, is don't just try to go on your page and spruik and sell and promote your your boot camp because there's four kinds of content. We talked about this at the One Life event. You're saying, please buy my shit content, right? (laughs) You're entertaining people and, you know, uh, making them laugh and, and giving them a dopamine shot. Um, then there's like content where you're like, you're trying to, I guess, like tell stories and educate and like be, be sharing ideas that are like actually helpful to other people and the rest of it. And it's like, if you're a PT, you should focus on how do I give away everything I know every day for free on social media. It's pretty much like every PT, every coach, anyone who's trying to. Any sort of person. Anyone who's trying to be a personal brand, I think that the art of it is rather than having a paywall where you kind of like, oh, I got to reserve my good stuff for my my course. I got to reserve my good stuff for my programs, my boot camps. 
here's the cool thing. If you just take, let's just say like a 15 minute thing and make it 90 seconds, but then remix it, right? So like add theater to it, add drama to it, share a story. You can, you can share the same piece of information a hundred different ways, depending on how you like put it together. And content is like, how do I give away this, this feeling, this idea, this concept, this story for free consistently on social media? Um, because people will pay you because they connect with you. So I was chatting to Matt about this and let's just say you listen to Joe Rogan for 20 hours. You'll start to emotionally have a connection with Joe Rogan. If you ever see him in public, your heart will flutter a little bit. You're like, <laughs> Joe Rogan. You know what I mean? Because we, we build like psychological relationships, people that are like figurative ideas in our minds, like people we aspire to be like, people we want to meet one day, you know? Um, so I think when you're, when you're trying to create content as a PT or anything of that measure, I say this and it, it doesn't really always land, but genuinely just give away all your shit for free all the time. And you're probably going to suck at it. The second thing is when you're making content, try not to be sporadic. Cause I see people go hard for a couple of days and then they disappear for two weeks. They go hard for a day or two. Then they, they, they kind of ebb and flow in and out. What I've found is with, with, yeah, with my students is if you, if you just commit, let's just say, you know, whatever, whatever challenge you want to take on board. But I, I try to encourage people to do a 90 day challenge and that 90 day challenge is okay. For the next 90 days, no Netflix, no porn, you know, no, 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 like video gaming, like, no, just, just, just like starve yourself of the, the normalities of what you try to cram into your day. Cause the average person spends four hours on Netflix or entertainment or on their phone every day. The average person, right? Correct. So if you just starve yourself of that and you just go, okay, I'm going to replace this time with educating myself on the thing I want to teach as much as possible podcasts, books, audio tapes, programs, courses, whatever it is, like get obsessed. Like I did about branding about your thing. And then just, Distribute one piece of content every day. Even if it's crap, just put it out there. Because one or two things will happen if you put it out, even if it's crap. Number one is it'll force you to come back better the next day. So you can try to bury it. Like try to bury that crap piece of content as soon as you can. (laughs) Um, The second thing is you'll learn something. So you'll post something that you'll feel like is crap. And then someone will have a reaction to it and DM you and be like, yeah, I needed to hear this today. Such and such happened because of it. Thank you so much. You're like, wow, okay. Something I hated actually really impacted someone. So then what can I learn from that? And if you do this every day for 90 days, what happens is by day 90, you know a hell of a lot about what does work and a hell of a lot about what doesn't work on your feed. And you've basically done market research. And if you do it with the intention of not serving your current audience, but trying to attract a new audience, and then every time you post a piece of content, go to other people's pages that post the same piece of content or similar types of content to you that are really good at it and like engage with all the people in their comment section. Because what happens is if you're engaging with people in the comment section that like similar content, they're going to go, who's this guy or gal? And go back to your page and go, they have similar content, the type of content I like to engage with, follow. You're not trying to do this to get followers. You're trying to do this to create like a little community of engagers. Mm. Because here's what happens. Mm. And this is, this is the biggest hack I can give anyone that's trying to go on social media. And this is the stuff that no one wants to do. Who <laughs> wants to go on Instagram and plan and engage with people, right? It's boring as shit. And I'm too busy because I run a business and all the rest of it. But if you can just get out of your own ego, out of your own way, and just go, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to uninstall Disney Plus and Netflix and all the rest of it. I'm just going to remove all these distractions in my life. And here's, here's what I would do you go on social media. And you find the 10 greatest people in the world, in the world, you do your research, the 10 greatest people in the world that do what you do, right? 
So I was like, who are the greatest people in the world of branding? I'm like, Simon Sinek, right? Marty Neumeyer, Mark Ritson. Um, you know, uh, I was looking at all these different people that are like, man, these people kill it at branding, right? And then I looked at all their contents. But then I went the other way and I was like, who else is kind of like doing cool content that's not in my industry, but I really enjoy. So then I went and found like cool people that do design and I, you do your research in your own, in your own industry. Then you follow those pages and you kind of start unfollowing the stuff that's just irrelevant because you're trying to, you're trying to train your algorithm. Like this is what I am. Yeah. I adjust my feed all the time. Adjust your feed to fit your industry, right? So if you're trying to sell, you know, a certain type of product, like put, like tell the algorithm with the hashtags and the content you follow and the algorithm you're interacting with, like, this is what I am and what I'm about and what I like to look at. This is the second thing. So before you comment 20 minutes, just flat out comment on um, people that have recently posted content, like the content you're about to post. Like it has to be recent, try to find the recent stuff. And then you engage with all their comments. Then you post, then you feature it in your story and then maybe you send it to a couple of people that you're like, hey, man, I noticed you were commenting on this other piece of content. I made a similar piece of content. Check it out. <laughs> you can't be like, look at me, but I'm like, hey, I noticed you like that piece of content. I made something. I, I just thought of you and I answered your question. You comment on that thing. It's like genuine engagement. What happens is maybe next time you post, if you do that enough and you stack that for 90 days, you can have 200, 300 people commenting on your 90th post because you're genuinely engaged with them in something that they're interested in. And then you start to befriend those that make similar content. But this is this is something that I've shared a lot, but I've tracked it and maybe less than 1% of people actually implement it because yeah. it's hard. It's not easy, but you have to genuinely enjoy the journey to, to, to conquer social yeah. media. And if what you want to is like bad enough, especially when it comes to community, because as you know, like everything that you've done, that's literally just straight up community building. And that's that general, we said before, it's like intimacy and connection. That's that yeah. general connection piece that's like missing like no i genuinely want to help these people regardless of the situation regardless of they give the money if i'm connected enough to what i want to do i'm not a damn well help yeah 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 and i would do stuff like um if people ask me a question i'd send a voice memo back like i would spend north of three hours a day just engaging on social media but here's the thing i did that for the first year and i haven't really done that for the last couple of years because you know it's it's built enough momentum where i don't need to it's just that spark. Like, do you want to create this combustible uh, engagement reaction on social media? Now, I guarantee if I went back and did that, I'd have more engagement, right? This is something we're considering doing. It's like, how do we do this at scale? Um, but if you're starting and you have like 300 followers, you don't need 10,000 followers to make the money you need to make every month. People have this perception in their head, oh, if I could get to 10,000 followers, I could become a millionaire. <laughs> right? I was, I was making, you know a lot of money with 2000 followers and a lot of people engaging and genuinely enjoying my content. I was genuinely solving people's problems and they would get annoyed. And I would get DMs like, man, why don't you have hundred K followers, man? I'm going to feature my stories and try to like, people get annoyed at how sick my page was. Cause they're like, the value's correct. You're killing it. You drop on bombs every day. I would do, I would get hundreds of DMs like, why don't people know? <laughs> and then that it, then they start navigating it. So like the game is like, how do I be the most valuable in my niche on social media period? Yeah. Like how do I become the best? And how do you, like, how do you genuinely find that you connect with people? Like what's the why behind it? And how do you actually genuinely, genuinely connect with people? Like, how do I genuinely connect with people in the DMs or like, how do I try to create my content? Well, I would say, I'd say a bit of both. 
okay. you know, because yeah. I know there's like a connection piece there. I know you might have like a couple of different strategies, but it's just like connection in general. So I'm like actually interested in like what happens, not specifically like almost what you do. It's like how do you think about it? Yeah. And like motivates you to go and do it. Yeah, I think I think it's the frequency of by which someone experiences you. So, for example, like, um, right, if you listen to Joe Rogan every day for, let's just say, an hour, right, you got to feel pretty damn connected to Joe Rogan, yeah. right? Because, you know, when you meet someone, like, we've spent maybe about an hour and a half together, right? Yeah. If you and I were to spend seven hours together, we would, we would have a much deeper friendship. Like, if you spend seven to 15 hours with someone, you, you actually build a relationship. Yeah. In, in some regard, like that person becomes something in your life. Oh, yeah. Right. If you spend that much time with them. But people are doing this virtually, digitally, right? So, um, you know, they listen to their favorite music artists or they, you know, Taylor Swift, like people were going crazy when they did came to Australia Pro. Crazy. And they haven't met her, but they're like, you know, I have a funny story, right? So in our office, we got a lot of Tay Tay fans. And, um, when she had a red album, everyone wore red to work. Like, it was like, yeah, dude. Like, the team went mad. I didn't wear a red shirt. I'm like, this is a text. I respect it. But, you know, anyway, um, she was coming to Australia and our whole office had their tablets, their laptops, their screens, their phones open, trying to get tickets. Australia, <laughs> like, the whole office were, like, on standby. Trying did, to get did anyone get one? We got two tickets. Oh, nice. Congrats to those what? people. <laughs> Congrats to those people. But um, he's people missed out. It was like, you know, it was an ordeal. The point is people are really connected to her because they love her music. And like, here's the thing. How do you have social media content that is that same emotional mechanism on social media? So I think video interactivity and content interactivity, like graphic design content, they kind of interact differently. I definitely think video content is a lot more emotionally gripping, but some people connect by reading. So there's different types of people. Some people prefer audio. Some people prefer video. Some people prefer face-to-face live. Some people prefer to read. So I try to kind of hit all the melodies. I try to have audio content. I try to have visual content, video content, all the rest of it. But what I found was like the way I connect with people was by showing up and genuinely be like, here it is for free. Here it is for free. It's all for free. Here you go, here you go. Like not spruiking. And if rarely saying, I've got this thing, if you want to come check it out, I've got a live event, if you want to come there, right? So I rarely ask for anything. Like Gary Vee's Jab Jab Rival. Yeah. Um, I, I think... And then the second thing I do to connect with people is I actually reply to all my DMs, every single one. And sometimes I get two, three, four hundred DMs a day and I'll reply to every single one. If I get time, I'll send them a voice message. If they have a good question, I'll actually connect with them. If they send something valuable to me, I'll try to, I'll try to go out and out. I kind of match their energy, right? If they're trying to sell me something, I try to sell them something. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, do it. I'm like, hey dude, I got this epic content creation program. Like I try to sell people, yeah. try to sell me. So I just have this rule. I just match their energy. If someone's trying to give me a compliment, I give them a compliment. If they comment, I give them a comment back. If they send me a voice memo, I voice memo with them back. So like people are just so shocked that you actually engage with them. Um, but I, I don't just say thanks. I, I like try to go out of my way to give more value to the DMs. So if you kind of message them back like my friend would, rather than try to be all professional, I, what I notice is it kind of cuts the eyes. So just think you take, like if some random DMs you a question, like message it back like you'd message your bro back. And for whatever reason, it kind of like cuts the ice and then people really start to open up. I've had people open up about their whole lives in my DMs. Yeah. Jump on a call and invest like money in, into, you know, hire my agency. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense because what I find is like everyone at the moment is so hungry for, for just general authenticity Yeah, and that whole connection thing as well. And it's, yeah. it's so awesome that you can do that digitally. Yeah, people. Like, and it's free. And it's free. It's free marketing. Yeah, and it's, yeah. And it's genuine connection as well. Like it's... Yeah. It's actually genuine. Like, which I find is like so crazy. Like, especially when you think like, 
over social media or not. Like, I think it was, it was somewhere that I was reading or researching, like, don't quote me on it, but yeah. it's like your brain, I think it was one of Daniel Priestley's books. And he was saying in there that, you know, your brain doesn't really know the difference if you're talking to someone. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. Like, like if you're watching a movie, you know when you cry when you watch Spray Pie? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that moment where they get in the feels. Um, yeah, I think, like, your, your brain psychologically doesn't know what social media is. We're not engineered to know what digital technology is, right? So when you're talking to someone online, this is why people get in relationships. Have you seen the show Catfish? No, I haven't. They're like DMing people and having full-blown marriages. <laughs> I've never even met them, right? Because they're really they're emotionally Whoa. connected. To, yeah, watch Catfish. It's a pretty wild Whoa. show. Uh, but don't if you're on a 90-day rambling. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like people, people like for sure, like that thing, right? If you spend enough time listening or consuming someone's content, you will feel an emotional connection to that person as though they're someone in your life that you've spent time with. It's in your brain. It's no different. Yeah, and they actually know a lot about you as well, yeah. which is, well, I love having you on the show because I like to leave our listeners a challenge, something that we've like talked about mm. that they can like take action on. It's like today, tomorrow, so they're listening to this and they're like, oh, I'm fine up right now. I'm going to take action on something. Yeah. Like, yeah. What would you like to challenge them? I would challenge anyone that um, is considering, like I think social media is such a good channel. It's free. It's accessible to everyone. Um, and the analogy I use, it's like a library. Everyone has access to the library, right? So my challenge is like, think about a lot. Think about yourself when you're on social media content, think like an author. Don't think like a salesman. So if a salesman would walk into a library and go, where can I put a poster and sell my stuff? <laughs> an author would walk into a library and go, man, where, where can I create some content and, and, and you know, to these people to consume, right? So when you walk into a library, what people do, they're there to go, I want to go entertain myself. I want to go immerse myself with a story. I want to go laugh. I want to go research. I want to go study. Like people are there for a reason. People go on social media for escapism most of the time. Um, the rare person might go on there to learn some stuff, but if someone's going to learn something, they might go to like a bigger platform like YouTube or buy a program or whatever, right? But you're kind of catching people in situ and you're trying to get their attention. So you certainly need to stand out and be, be strange. So my challenge would be <laughs> on social media, think about yourself like I'm creating content for people to consume for free that are in situ and they want to stack on it. So you can't give them big hefty stuff. But I would challenge anyone that wants to scale their company to take social media seriously and to become someone that's providing value for free and do it every day for 90 days. Even if you put up a quote today because you don't have time to make a video and then you make a video tomorrow and then you hate how you look because you got a double chin and you look greasy. You want to just post it anyway. Like post something every day for 90 days. And even if you limit yourself to 20 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day, whatever it is, just challenge yourself to do it for three months straight. And you'll either learn you love it or hate it. Yeah, I love that. And just yeah. to like add on to that as well, just like a little sub question yeah. on there is... I want to hear some little, like, little bit of challenge around this because I know that you've, yeah, you would know some wacky, strange shit that people have done for marketing and branding campaigns. And I'm asking you this question because I want to like motivate people, yeah, to do something wacky and strange, like be seen from social media and something that they love. Yeah, what are some things that are like that have been really abnormal but really successful that you've seen? That's like, um, oh, there's this TikTok channel at the moment i don't know if this is going to help people but it's, it's funny <laughs> there's this person you don't see their face they're just rolling bottles of stuff downstairs and <laughs> and they were making um was that was i chatting to you about that kate 
oh, I don't remember who I was chatting to about. This person is making about a million to $2 million a week, rolling bottles downstairs and smashing. Because it just became this, this meme or this thing, right? Um, but I think if you're trying to genuinely just get value, I would say, like, here's, here's the game plan. Like, people try to approach social media and, like, want to go straight. Like, it's like a comedian going on stage for the first time and they want to get their Netflix special. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you're not going to get your special <laughs> yeah. day one or day 90, right? You've got to go out there and, like, look at social media kind of like you're going up to the mic every night and you're freestyling. Because you don't know what material is going to work. You don't know what's going to land, what's gonna, what people are going to react to or not. So I would approach social media kind of like that. But I think what should you think about, you know, I'll chat to Matt Purcell and we are chatting about this earlier. Like if you're standing on a street corner and you're walking down the street, what's going to get your attention, right? Because you're only really paying attention to a certain amount of things at any given time. But if you're walking down the street and you see someone with a gun, right, or you see a red sign that says danger, like, or cones going around something like something like that's danger would get your attention right this is like brands like liquid death they use danger to get your attention in the water aisle we see skulls and death the second thing is like um like sex for sure sex sells right like if you see what's going on with the internet um you know sexual stuff certainly does get quite a lot of attention only fans funnel just do a fake link yeah just do a fake link bro <laughs> Um, I've considered doing that <laughs> just to see if people would click on it. If I had in my bio, click for my own. <laughs> um, the marketing brain was like, that would be, that would get attention. Yeah. I had a podcast with Lauren Tickton this morning. Okay. Yeah, Lauren Tickton, oh. She's like a business life coach um, on social media. She's really good. And she said ages ago that she tried that. And then we said this morning, like, we're going to both try an OnlyFans funnel. And like, we've got to get it done like in a week just to see Let's do that. if it works. <laughs> you want to like, oh. I might do a carousel, like I'm launching an OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, let's see who can get like the most attention or the most engagement. Can I join in? Yeah, you can join in. I'll, I'll tag her and tell her that. I'm going to be so Yeah. And we were thinking as well, like, so you do like a fake link, but you couldn't go to like a, a book or call page or like to a status page. You have to be something of like value or like a, yeah. like a gotcha type of funnel. We're like, we're on this, Kane. That's so we are on the yeah. You're gonna do it. Yeah. It's not even like, what do I do? So, if you land there, there's a photo of me where it looks like, like I'm not in this show. Then scroll down, it's like, oh, damn, I got it. I got it. That's like a bit of fun. Like, yeah. You know what I mean, I think so, man. I think, I think yeah, if, like, the third thing we were talking about, right, is just being odd. Yeah. Like, if you walk down the street and you see something strange, mm-hmm. you're like, what is that, right? <laughs> um, People certainly love controversy. Like if you look at Andrew Tate, like there's a lot of controversy around him and it's getting, you know, love him. I hate him. He's, he's making money because of it. Right. Um, but yeah, I think, I think if you, if you try to be unnormal, like abnormal, you try to be uncommon. Cause if you see stuff and you try to duplicate it, you're being common, even in your niche. If you're, if everyone's doing talking head content in a certain way, you start duplicating that. You're just joining the, the trends. What I encourage people to do is like try to be abnormal. Try to be weird. Like when you go to my page, it's this weird yellow and pink. Yeah. It's just a strange palette. I get DMs all the time. Like your content's so weird. I'm like, I'm trying to get your attention. Yeah. It works. I, I don't use danger. I use weirdness and quirky strangeness to get attention on social media. And it works for me. So I think like whatever your industry is doing, try to flip it on its head. Try to invert it. Try to try to do it in a different way. Yeah. yeah. So what do you mean to listening to that? That's my content. <laughs> to break the rules there. Yeah. And I think like a famous story is like, um, you know, the Red Bull thing, right? Um, and, and it's it's like, you know, um, it's, it's trying to disrupt the whole 
expectation around your industry and do it in a dramatically different way. Yeah. But they were speaking beforehand on the podcast about how Red Bull, they like littered the streets of London, crushed cans and just left them everywhere. So yeah. People woke up and walked to work. They like went to stores and they were like, where's Red Bull? So yeah. And stores started stocking Red Bull. I was like, that? Yeah, so it was about 3 a.m. They, they sent vans all over London. They crushed Red Bull cans up before they were like a big thing. Because they couldn't, they couldn't get supply in the stores. People were like, we have coke and we have coffee. It's like, why do we need Red Bull? What is it? But it was touring, you know? Nothing crushed. So, like, think about going to the metro train station and you just see Red Bull cans everywhere. You're walking to the bus. There's a bin. There's Red Bull cans everywhere. People were like, what the fuck is Red Bull? Yeah. Right? Uh, and then people started going in the stores and then the next week they rolled their vans around and everyone started buying the products. It's weird. It's weird. So you're going to use, you're going to break the rules. Culture Kings is weird. It is. You walk into the store, you go down an escalator. Then you're on a basketball court. There's a guy 40 feet in the air, DJ. It's cool as hell, that poop. It's cool as yes. This is odd. Speaks to me. Yeah. Yeah. Culture Kings is polarizing. So I've sent clients there to do that. Like, no, it's spread. We go check them out. And then maybe like 38 year old couple, and they're like, they go down, they're like, we don't belong here. And they're like, you know, so, so culture kings is like, we exist for this tribe. Yeah. And they really own that. And that's a really attractive offering to people. And it turns a big part of the audience off, but in a good way. Yeah. They monetize that. Yeah, exactly. Six hundred mil. Yeah. And for people who want to work with you and like rival. Yeah. Where can they go? Rival.com. R-I-V-Y-L.com. Um, or if you want to chat to me, literally just DM me on Instagram. I'll chat to you. Yeah, my team kind of helped me manage my other platforms, but I'm actually interacting, engaging on, on Instagram. Yeah, the best. It's hardcore in the trenches. I'm hardcore in there, man. I'm about to go back in. I'm going to challenge myself for the next 90 days because <laughs> uh, I keep telling people to do it. I'm like, I'm going to go in and, and do it again. I'm going to do it as well. Yeah. 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 Every day, man. <laughs> so let's make a contract with each other. That's not okay. I did this with Matt. You put a piece of paper on it. <laughs> yeah, we, we can um, do that paper. We can write a contract. Okay, signature from the other notes. Yeah. <laughs> we can write another whiteboard. Yeah, like, yeah all right. We'll do that. Then we'll do that. The photo of that will be the contract. All right. Okay, so starting tomorrow, yeah. you and I are going to post a piece of content every day for 90 days. Yeah. And um, if, if you failed, you have to eat a dog biscuit. Look. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. And every day, every day you fail, you eat a dog biscuit. So if you okay. skip a week, that's seventy. How many dog biscuits? You will accumulate seven dog biscuits. Have you ever eaten dog biscuits? Yeah, well, I was kidding. Uh, when you get who doesn't matter. Well, what do they taste like? It's like dog biscuits and smack. They kind of taste like sand. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that's great. I love sand. <laughs> you eat sand before every five. Yeah, I said all the time. Yeah, it's a little. It's like moldy sand. <laughs> Right, that's a really good one. Like, but if you're a man of your word, yeah, you I know, your word. Word. yeah, yeah, sure. Like, yeah, no, I eat enough weird stuff as right. is anyway. So, so you be eating dog biscuits and you're still honoring your word. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I just won't tell anyone. I just won't tell you that I eat okay. biscuits. What's your goal for the ninety days? What do you want to learn? What do you want to have? <laughs> that's a good question. And to be really honest, yeah, like I want to start a thing. Like the the actual thing would probably say. It's actually really grow my audience. Okay. I want to say. How yeah. much? So we were on like uh, something like 14K followers and we did a call. We, that was like the worst thing because we went through and got our like audience analyzed. Yeah. Like, let's analyze this and get rid of these. No problem wasting with it. Um, however, so we've got like close to 10,000. Yeah. I like to get back up to like 13, 14,000. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And then um, do you know what your engagement rate is? 
because our engagement rate is pretty poo at the moment. Yes. It's like, I think it's 0.5%. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And we're still like doing really well. <laughs> like in business and stuff, we're crushing it. Yeah, cool. like we're doing well. So, yeah. I'm like, it's really low. Yeah, really low. Yeah. You know, this talk about the sales guy beforehand. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're a killer sales guy, yeah. bro. Yeah. Well, we're going to work on your branding. <laughs> uh, and I got to work on my consistency. So, yeah. so um, yeah. What's you your know? goal? So, my goal is to get my engagement rate back up. No. Nice. So, I think it's at what? 1.5. 1. 1. It used to be 4.7. Cool. Um, I want to get five five percent engagement rate. I'm gonna try and do some shit. I'm trying to get because I heard that like a six is yeah. like dude is hectic. Dude, a six is hard. <laughs> I don't like it, man. The six is a yeah. You have a handicap too because you pay your percentile smaller. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so good. I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really like the golfing company. Um and, and, and um what do you hope that you learn through uh creating the content? Because if you've been that consistent and diligent and we yeah. with a team. Yeah. I would honestly say messaging, like really specifically clear on our messaging. Cause we're still like, we're surveying our audience. We're serving our customers. We're asking, we're talking all the time, but we're still not like a hundred percent land about our, me- our messaging. Cause we're very niche. Right? Yeah. It's like personal development for business owners. That's literally yeah. what we do. So, but we're like, what is the message that they perceive us? And we ask them and we get clear. They're like, mm, is there something more around? Cause a lot of people that we work with, one of them, a lot of, a lot of what they want is they're like, they get scared of their partner's going. So like, is it that? And a lot of people work with are like, oh, we're feeling scarce right now for some reason in business, wherever it's like, oh, mm-hmm. we do work on that. And then we have like people on leadership specifically. And they're like, okay, I want to like emotionally like become more intelligent so that I can work with my team or like deal with all the pressures of business. Mm-hmm. And we're like, mm. so I just want to like nail my messaging. Okay. would be like. Can I give you a few tools that might uh, help your conversation? Yes. Yeah. Do you know the six core human needs from Tony uh, Robbins? I have researched them before, but the top of my brain, no. But anyone can make use them. It's pretty simple practice. I don't think Tony Robbins invented it, but he kind of like yeah, famous. And it's like a wheel, and it's like a pizza, and if you have like six slices on the pizza, it's like certainty. Yeah. So these are the six core principles that drive all human beings, no matter what. Yeah. Whether you want to admit it or not, that's how we. How we. Um, it's our freaking why, man. Certainty. So, like, you you can go, okay, I'm certain I'm going to go home tonight and I'm going to have a roof over my head and a job to wake up to in the morning and I got money in the bank, I got to go groceries. Like, I've got certainty in my life. Uncertainty is, like, the opposite of that. How the frick am I going to pay my paycheck next week? Yeah. Or maybe it's being sweet, but you're bored, so then you want to go on an adventure on the weekends, right? Or go, you know, if you're single, you want to go date some exciting adventures, right? Like, the uncertainty is, like, mystical and, like, gives you serotonin and dopamine. Yeah. Um, Significance. Am I seen as important from others? And that's why I do is buy Rolexes. Right? They're like, <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, I don't people have Rolexes. I think they're cool. Um, and then there's um, love and connection. Do I, not just with a spouse, but like with those around you. And that's what I was lacking from my Yang thing, right? Yeah. Um, and then there's growth. Am I growing? Am I pushing myself? And then there's the last one is, am I giving to others? Mm. Right. So from your experience, you're looking at your community, would you say that their their makeup of the wheel is different? Yeah, I would say like, oh, uh, Rami, you were saying it was like growth, love, and 
like certainty. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of people sort of get lost on like, what's the next project? Or should I start a new business? Or should I do this thing? Yeah. Whereas, so no, like certainty is like direction with what they're actually going for something that feels fulfilling. One is growth personally that they really want to be better. And then yeah. the third one would be a club okay. connection because they actually, and a lot of the time in terms of perceiving, it might be a little bit different yeah. because it's not until they hear something emotional or I speak about something that is like, that has to do with relational connection. And they're like, oh, I, I really want that. And you're like, yeah. And it translates into leadership. Do you think the conversation is predominantly, uh, what do I do versus who do I need to become? It's who I need to become. Yeah, that would they ask you that question? Uh, oh, in terms of what do they have? So when they come to you, they, they come to are me. they like, dude, tell me what to do? Or are they like, dude, who do I need to be? So they ask you, how, who do they need to become? Well, I was in my kidding, it's probably like a 50-50. Okay, it's like 50-50. Yeah, some people, yeah, some people are like, what do I need to do? But after they talk to me, like you know, on a sales call, yeah. they've, they've like listened to some of the podcasts or something, they're like, oh, who do I need to become? So I'd say like the colder audience, what do I need to do? A warmer to hotter audience would definitely be right. who do I need to become. So um, something I learned from, so my friend, um, Dave Kite, shout out to Dave, just came back from um, the European tour with Christo. Yeah. And he said, the cool, Christo does this really cool thing when he, when he gets into a room of people. He tries to meet them at the bus station. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Puts them on the bus and then he takes them where he wants to take them. The point is, he's like, you go to match your audience at their level, where they're at. So I think with messaging, you have to message them at frequency and at a level that are at, get them on the bus and then take them where you want to go. Mm -hmm. Right. So with my content, my content is really elementary. I try to really dumb things down and it pisses academics off. <laughs> to no end. And I've had so many debates on LinkedIn, bro. <laughs> my, my most viral post on LinkedIn was a giant argument with the CMO from Uber uh, my hero Margaretson just thrashing at me, and I, all it was, I put up a dude. I put up a video. It was like the difference between marketing and branding, and I just kind of did like a sixty second summary that was kind of loose. It wasn't like super accurate, but I'm like viscerally, these are the differences. Like, let me just give you a starting point to break down. Dude, people on Instagram love it. They're like, man, thank you so much. This really cleared up like the difference for me. I'm like, cool. That piece of content served this mission. Funny thing is, I post on LinkedIn, different crowd. <laughs> Dudes that are like 50 that are like, you know, academics and they have marketing genius in their, uh, their parents <laughs> and they're like two of the world, yeah. you know, working in this yeah. like big corporations. They hated it. Cause they were like, the comments were like, who's this TikTok idiot think he is? And yeah, just like really punched down on me. But I'm like, no, too, guys. No, yeah. I know it. Too. I'm like, no, too. I just, I just don't dress like you. But how you know, I'm on a jacket on and a snapback, and everyone's just like, why is he wearing a suit? But the funny thing is, my, Instagram community jumped in there and it was this giant argument that went on for like four weeks. <laughs> and Ken was crunching. <laughs> like these people are getting upset. Um, but the point is like, I think, uh, man, where are we going with this? What was the question? Uh, it was along the point of, I'm kind of free. I was like messaging. We'll talk okay, about yeah, okay. So messaging, right? So, so, you know, the bus leaving the station. Yeah. So like, you have to think about your Instagram and this is really important. Like where are they at? Mm. right now and you can have the answers and the crazy cool and I call it R-rated content mm. they're not ready to work yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah you, you get the G baby yeah you're gonna, you're gonna get the G content yeah. and maybe a little bit of like uh, N content but the sexy stuff yeah the sexy stuff yeah. but you can't you can't hit them with the hardcore stuff like at the, this is what I see happen a lot on Instagram is they try to go on hard you have to kind of match and mirror the frequency and the messaging and the energy they're at when they're at 
And then this is what Alex Homos, his master, we were chatting about this yesterday with the team. He's leveling his audience up. He is. With the offers, the leads, the looks yeah. of it. He, he's, he's, he's literally leveling them up. He's, <laughs> like, he's like, yeah, these 500,000 entrepreneurs, I'm just going to show them how to get to this step. And then when they're moved, he's like, cool, here's the next book. Yeah. <laughs> I'm seeing him train like half the point. It's one of my last clicks. I'm like, Holly, I've been studying like, um, like the Cabalion and like Lord's Universals of Prosperity, all the rest of that. Yeah. And it's honestly it's just the law of vibration. And it's yeah. like you're matching that law of vibration. Like, it's interesting. Like if you get a bottle of like water and pour it in the ocean, it turns to water. If you get a bottle of olive oil and pour it in the ocean, then like that just turns into oil. It doesn't merge into the yeah, it's ocean. Like it just floats there. Like, it looks real weird. You don't like mm-hmm. clean it, right? And then like if you get an acorn, right? And an acorn, a seed, and we've left it on the table. It's not going to do anything. You don't pop it, it's not going to do anything. We've got a cash fund and do anything. But if you put that in like fertile soil, it's like there's literally just dirt touching the seed. Like there's nothing, it's not penetrating the seed. It's not going in the seed. No. Yeah, but it's vibrating. Like the dirt is the same viable free, uh, vibration frequency as the acorn. And then the acorn starts, because wow. of vibrating, will start sprouting things at the top and roots down the bottom. Yeah. And grow into a tree. I never thought about that. Bro, it fucking blew my mind. I'm like, my human. The German, the German isn't, it's, it's just touching the sides of the acorn yeah. and then it decides, oh, I'm going to start growing now. I'm like, yeah. it's like, what up, dude? My boy. Literally, dirt, corn, I got something crazy one for, for you that Matt shared with me last night. He's like, um, they studied caterpillars and there was a certain species of caterpillar that they sprayed with this um, scent and the caterpillars would negatively react to the scent. But then when it goes into uh, a caterpillar, what do you call it? When a cocoon, cocoon. A cocoon. When it metamorphosizes into a cocoon, they decided that they, so they did this in a lab with a batch of catapults, the certain species. Um, and some of the cocoons they opened. And do you know what's in a cocoon? Well, it just turns to goo. Oh, no, no way. Yeah, it just literally turns into a goo substance. No. Yeah. So this caterpillar literally just... Disintegrates into goo. That's blowing my brain. Yeah. It blew my brain last night when Matt shared this with me. I was like, what are you talking about? It just just goes in. Imagine if we just went like... Yeah, imagine if we just turned into goo and turned into like... These cool, like, creatures with wings. Uh, I don't know how that works, right? So the cocoon, yeah, everything just turns into goo. And, then, and uh, they cut it open, it's just goo, it just tips out, falls out, and they fall part of life. And anyway, um, this will blow your mind. So then when it goes into metamorphosis and it turns into the butterfly, something interesting is if you, if you open the cocoon, the butterfly will die because it needs to push through to have the blood push into its wings. So when it comes out, it can... Yeah. But they spray that butterfly, like if they spray the batch that didn't have a reaction to the scent because they hadn't been exposed to it with no caterpillars because they only get, yeah, they spray it with the butterflies and they don't react to it. But then the batch that were in the lab, the butterflies remembered the smell, didn't like it and reacted badly to it. So the point is the butterfly had a memory of when it was a caterpillar. Yeah. So Even though it turns into good. How does that work? <sighs> <laughs> but the dirt thing got me, man. And so I was yeah. like, how does that work? Yeah, it's not like they wouldn't have, like, where's their brain? You know what I mean? But like, so do you know um, that famous quote by Alan Einstein? It's like, um, everything is energy and that's all there is to it. Yeah. Match the frequency of that which you want and you cannot help but have it. This is not, um, uh, this is not philosophy, this is physics. Oh, no, you can't. I said, I'm doing it. 
so like that that rattles me every time I listen to that. What does that mean? But yeah, how do you how do you match the frequency of your audience? Yeah. And it's like you know how do we vibrate on that tone? Like Nike is about you know athleticism, power, and action, confidence. People that fuck with that message are like that's for me, right? <laughs> CrossFit, I don't understand it. It's cool. It's like, it's it's insane. It's intense. It's gnarly. People that connect with that product frequency, they'll fight with it, you know? So I think so much of, you know, your messaging is just energy. But I think if you translate that language, what I would do with the audience is be like, which ones are logical and which ones are creative? Which ones are thinking about doing? Which ones are thinking about being? Like you start to just split the difference. And then you just ask yourself like, what's, what's the common denominator between all of these? Right. So Nike did this for the audience and they were like the common denominator from our means is they all want to feel a sense of greatness. That's the thing that they all want to share in common. So you see it finally, what is the thing that they're desiring um, and what is the emotional state they want to have? So what I would do with your team is look at what's the emotional state that all these entrepreneurs that you work with desire to have, whether that's a sense of certainty, they're in a position of power, they have clarity, they have confidence, they have calm. Like think about the emotional state. Because like as a sales guy, you would know this, right? If you build your messaging around the best possible states, that's kind of where I would centralize your messaging from my experience with brand. That's where we look to build our messaging is at that point, the desired state that they want to have. You want to have confidence, Nike, bang. And then you just create to that. You reverse engineer from there, right? So Nike is like, okay, you want to feel confidence. Yeah. I can't just say, hey, do you feel confident? <laughs> you, know you. you need to feel confident. Should feel confident. Yeah, <laughs> you need to feel calm. So, it's fun. Um, so Nike will show you pictures of someone in the moment taking action in a position of power. And you see that and you're like, I want to feel that. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's go. Yeah, so they hit you with the visual and then they hit you with the, the like Serena Williams tagline, I think it was, was hit the ball as hard as you can. Mm. I can't see it really well. This is like, mm. I feel that. I feel confident now. Now I'll go buy a pair of Nikes. They're selling, they're selling you the emotional state. Harley Davidson, we talked about this before. Yeah. What's the emotional state? I want to feel freedom. Yeah. They're not selling you the features and benefits. They're like, hey, man, if you have this thing, yeah. be in there. I'm free. I'm I'm right now. Look at this. Yeah. You get away from the kids for the week. Yeah. Free. You know. They sell you the emotional state. Yeah. See. Yeah. Dude, thank you. That was so valuable. Thank you, man. Bro, thanks for coming. I really had fun, bro. Thanks for having me. You. Or a stud. You're a stud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stud, thanks for coming on, man. Well, thanks for the water. Yeah. Oh, gee, the antipodes. The beauties. The beautiful water there. So, yeah, so anyone's um, listening, everything will be linked in the comment sections below. Thank you so much for listening to this one, and see you in the next one. See you in the next one. <laughs> Thank you so much for getting this far into the podcast. As a token of my appreciation for the loyal listeners, you can get a $50 discount of your first month inside the Set the Standard community. That'll help you double your business and reprogram your mind. We have two live group coaching calls per month, eight modules and challenges, and an exclusive network where you can meet all the men who are setting the standard in here. Please use the code PODCAST capital P-O-D-C-A-S-T, to get the first $50 off of your first month. Can't wait to see you guys in there.